this month the podcast is sponsored by book recos we've taken the slot to promote our brand new website and email newsletter instagram is a very busy place and we don't want anyone missing out on a top reco so our monthly newsletter recaps some of our favorite reads of the month our podcast episodes and author interviews as well as some of the brands we've worked with and the products we've loved so that we can share those all important discount codes with you guys you're welcome just head to www.bookrecos.com to sign up to the newsletter you'll then receive an email asking you to confirm your subscription so keep an eye out for that and of course everyone subscribed to the newsletter will be the first to find out about lots of exciting projects like the reading retreat our jazzy new website also has a blog We'll be using this space to recap places we've been, books we've read, topics we're interested in, and just any recos we think you guys might be a fan of. So that's www.bookrecos.com to sign up. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren, and we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. Today, we are chatting to comedian, actor and writer, Silk Hodgler. You may recognise her from BBC Two's Big Asian stand-up show, or from the likes of Black Mirror, Game Face or Bridgerton. And she's recently released her debut novel called Sunny, which is simply brilliant. And today, we're going to take a spoiler-free deep dive into it with her. Welcome to the Book Recos podcast. We are very thrilled to have you with us today, Sook. And Sook, would you mind kicking us off by telling us all about what Sunny is about? Yes. Um, so Sunny is a book about uh, what happens when you find yourself in a place where you didn't think you would be at a certain age. Basically, it's about expectations and mental health and friendship and relationships and mother and daughter relationships, which are deliciously complex. Um, And um, it's basically about Sunny, who's a 30 year old British Punjabi woman who moves back in with her parents at the age of 30 when all of her friends are off doing very grown up things I refuse Mm. to uh, use the word adulting I can't bear it Um, but (laughs) she she does all sorts everybody all she everybody she knows all her friends that are a similar age are getting married and having babies and buying houses and they've got matching towel sets from John Lewis and she (laughs) is in a childhood bedroom still with you know take that posters on the wall and whatnot um and in a dead-end job and she does what a lot of people do I know that a lot of single people do and including myself I did this in the past is she kind of throws herself into dating and thinks, well, I find a man, he is going to save me mm. from this. So, yeah. And it's all about how that all goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's ultimately a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. And a very funny and happy book to read, despite all of those things, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I always kind of I talk about the issues and I'm like, it is funny. It is nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so my when I was reading, I like this question popped right into my head. And so we, uh, when we met you at Inca eighty four Bookshop, you said how your editor actually approached you and said, "Would you like to write a book?" And so I wondered whether the idea to write Sunny popped straight into your head, or whether you had other ideas. 
Um, so she came to me with the idea. And oh. the idea yeah. she'd based on, so, so she's my editor, Sarah Adams, mm. also a writer. Um, and Sarah came to me with the idea and she said, oh, you know, it's based on your stand up and it's based on what I've heard you kind of talk about on social media as well. So although it's not exactly what happened in that kind of initial outline. Yeah. It's yeah. She came to me with that idea and I thought and I was a bit freaked out because it was like a seven page document. <sighs> And it was scarily oh kind of similar to my life. And there were all sorts of insights and things that she has that I, I'm pretty sure I've never shared publicly. So I was a bit freaked out. So, <laughs> and did you know her? Not at all, which is even more scary. Oh my gosh. And so, so what happened was I then got on the phone to my agent and I said, who is this woman? I, said, I, want, to, I want to meet her. And obviously we couldn't because it was at uh, this time, I think it was like May 2020 yeah literally uh, two yeah. years ago Gosh. and um and it was and uh so obviously there was no in-person meetings I said I don't I said who is she she said uh, Sarah Adam and she got her name wrong and I remember getting off the phone and she said I'll set up a meeting and I got off the phone and I googled her <laughs> and I just couldn't find her anyway because I got uh, I got her name wrong um uh and yeah so that was a bit freaky for me because I, I yeah. don't know anything about publishing and I yeah. you know I still don't really but um, so I didn't know that was a thing. And um, B, she had such an incredible insight into kind of me and, and who I am as a person and my personality yeah. and the stuff that I like to talk about. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic. And then she was amazing. She works with a lot of debut writers um, and because obviously it's my first novel and first time writing anything kind of long form. Mm. Um she was an incredible help to oh, me amazing like shaping it and putting it together and just and it, it helps so much I think when your editor's a writer because she yeah. really got it she really she was really like I know it's tough I know this bit's hard I yeah. can get through it I yeah you know and especially she knows about things like receiving feedback which I'm just oh like so sensitive about when she sent <laughs> me her first lot of feedback I didn't look at it for three days really I, I guess just because- couldn't because as you said it's somewhat autobiographical as well so when somebody yeah. is giving you feedback there must be like quite a jarring element to that to be like oh god that, that's my life yeah, to some absolutely. to some extent to some extent and also the imposter syndrome was off the charts <laughs> god, like, I can only imagine like, gosh like I mean I suffer from it anyway but when someone goes oh here's some money write a book you can do this I'm like Wait, that's amazing. And then you sit down and do it. Like, I don't I don't bloody know how to do this. Like no one told me how to do it. So I was gonna say my overwhelming thought when you said, Oh, she came to me with the idea was how great that someone out there was like, I think this would be a great book, and the person to write it is you. Yes, mm. exactly. Like she had it's that amazing. complete faith in you. I mean, if you were a oh white man, God, that so is much. how you'd have read that scenario from the off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would have gone, well, of course, I'm surprised nobody approached me sooner. <laughs> Why did it take you so long to ask? Oh, such a genius. Um, she, she's, um, she had complete faith in me oh. and has complete faith in me right yes. from the beginning. And, and she came to me and she said, look, you are a fantastic storyteller. And um, uh, we had a chat on the phone and it was like an hour and 40 minutes. Like I'm oh. a chatter, but it was an hour <laughs> and 40 minutes. And it ended with me going, you know, so how's your pandemic and what are you having for your tea? And, you know. <laughs> Oh, I know. Those were the exciting conversations back then. They were. Oh my god, so (laughs) exciting! And that used to be. And it got to the point where um, we're both of us are so chatty as well. We get on really well. We're really great friends now. That um, towards the end of writing the book, she would she would send me an agenda on Mm. email 
and she'd be like okay we're going to talk about married at first sight Australia for the first 15 minutes <laughs> to talk about work because what was happening was we'd talk about that like we'd talk about what we'd watched on telly for 50 minutes and then she'd go oh shit I've got to talk to you <laughs> oh my like god I love that book. that's the kind that's oh, the that's the dream. kind of relationship you need I imagine yeah. in that sort of scenario is somebody you can actually Absolutely. have a real life conversation with because you are actually bearing your soul to yeah, another person totally. yeah but and as, somebody who's written her debut as well like her debut yeah. was out last year um it's great to kind of for her to go do you know what this bit wow. is going to be a bit difficult and you know what when the book comes out you know are you going to look at reviews? Are you not going to look at reviews? How can we support you through that? It's she has such an insight into oh. how I was feeling. And her that, book is called The Reading List, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We'll put that in the Good show memory, notes. Jess. <laughs> um, it's on my list. That's why. Oh, my brilliant. reading list. <laughs> um, so talking a bit about Sunny then, she is a character who I just fell in love with because she she was so realistic in the sense that she clearly she was so 3D in that she has very prominent mental health issues. But then there's also this side to her that she's so bubbly and outgoing and wants to be the friend that everybody can rely on. And I think what really struck me about her is she's trained herself to really live almost two very separate existences. She's got the version of herself that she shows to her parents and her family. And then she's got the version of her when she's with her friends. And I think there's a big scene at the very beginning of the novel where she's I think she's coming home from a date and she's on the train and she's sort of deconstructing her outfit which I found quite funny because usually on the train you're like putting makeup on <laughs> and she's actually taking makeup off she's got she's trying to wiggle some tights on and she because she doesn't want to cast any suspicions with her parents and I found that very humorous but what do you think and this is probably a very broad question but because there are two sides to her is there a real Sunny? And which one is the real version of her? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. No one's ever asked me that question before. So the whole the whole double life thing is something that me and all of my British Asian friends talk about all the time, especially us kind of first generation kids. Yeah. We talk about all the time because we've, like me and myself, or we've grown up with parents who are quite strict who you know came over to this country in the 60s and they have a certain set of values and a certain set of beliefs that we want to adhere to but also are kind of caught in that well but we've grown up here and you see all non-Asian friends out doing things yeah. and you know having fun and having sleepovers and going out and wearing short skirts and then you going oh but I yeah. know I can't do that and then what that kind of creates is this double life and um, and it's born out of necessity essentially yeah. and that's obviously not all British Asians that's just my experience and and you know a fair few other people as well um so I don't know who the real Sunny is I think they're both versions of the real Sunny and I know that we're all we all code switch to a certain extent don't we like yeah. we all kind of switch between you know depending on who we're around and you know we're different versions of ourselves around our family and friends and what and work and what have you yeah. but I think for her it's quite a marked difference because it's her, you know, family versus friends, but also her outer versus her inner life are two very different things. And um, in terms of, you know, her portraying this kind of bubbly, happy side to her, yeah, that is part of her personality, but I think that gets held back a lot because of her mental health issues and because she's battling mm -hmm. with depression a lot. And 
I think I was really careful when I wanted to talk about mental health is um, in, in the book is I wanted to make it in a way that was quite relatable to a lot of people and to you know like when I first got my diagnosis for depression I had absolutely no idea that I had it I just thought everybody felt miserable like I genuinely was like well Gosh. everybody looks miserable everyone's like oh you work all your life and then you die like so surely British, this is just normal <laughs> yeah absolutely it's like well you just get on with it and um for Sunny there's there's that where she's like she's kind she's pretty functional you know there's days that yeah. she does stay in bed and there's days that she has to call in sick and there's you know and but that was my life then as well you know yeah kind of seven or eight years ago where nobody could have nobody knew I had depression because I just didn't talk about it and I'm so good at putting a face on so um I really wanted to make that really clear that she's just about holding down a job and she's doing all of these things and she's going out and she's going on hen do's and weddings and nights out and spa weekends and stuff even though she doesn't particularly want to but that's also one of the reasons why I don't know if you notice in the book she's tired a lot Mm. I don't think I had noticed that actually but you're right now that you mentioned it she is Mm. it's it's almost like she has this ongoing fatigue throughout the book and now that you've said that yeah that is just yeah yeah it's partly her mental health because obviously depression can was her physical effects as well but it's also partly because she's tired of because she's performing draining yeah 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 incredibly draining and I did sort of think that with her dating life and I was like, mm. oh, she is so good at like putting herself out there. And like, even though she's, she's like, oh God, going to have about the same chat again. Like she's so mm. good. At, like she just keeps trying to put herself out there. And it's like this sort of, it's the same again of her, like having these two lives. And it sort of made me think about social media and how, you know, she like will upload old photos of herself on holiday when she was mm-hmm. having a good time to to show everyone how happy she is. And again, that kind of translates into the dating apps that she uses. Um, and I just wondered if you could chat to us about your experience of writing about dating and if that was fun or if you were like drained writing it. <laughs> is it quite like, traumatic to read it? <laughs> how you found that? It was a lot of those dates are dates that I've been on myself. <laughs> and um we've we've barely could we've barely even scratched the surface when when it um before I even started the book, I just um made a list of all the dates that I'd been on because I knew I wanted to talk yeah. about Sunny going on dates. And I thought, oh, let me just write down like some terrible dates that I've been on. And the fact that when you go on dates, like with your friends, because if you date a lot, it becomes like um you know, you don't really say their name, do you? You don't really say the guy's name. You're like, oh yeah, forklift truck driver. Yeah, yeah. like you know, you, that, that's who it becomes. And I sent some, I sent my editor a really long email, and it was just a list of all the guys that I've been on a date with. But I wasn't thinking about like the language that I was using, and there was obviously some explicit language there. And I sent it to her, and she was like, oh, I'm just in the office, and she said, this is very funny. I'm really surprised that it came through to me at work and that it wasn't blocked. Quite <laughs> rich. It didn't get default to spam. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of those dates I've been on, partly that was oh, therapeutic. I know. I was like, oh, no, I didn't even think about it. I've never had, <laughs> never had one of those proper jobs. Um, but, she, you know, part of it was therapeutic because I was writing about dates that I'd been on. Part yeah. of it was um, quite interesting because I'd been on those dates a long time ago. Looking back at them, I was... I was like well you know I've moved on from that and I can see where I went wrong and I can see where 
like Sunny, I have definitely been guilty of in the past trying to talk myself into liking people. Oh, yeah. You know, when you're like, but, you know, he he smells nice. You He's know, got a good job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you, and you do stuff like that. And you, I, I used to be so good at ignoring red flags. So yes. good at it. And, and so much of that for me, and I think for Sunny as well, stems from low self-esteem from her going well no one's going to like me really anyway so what she ends up doing is she if a guy likes her she does kind of reciprocal liking you know well he Mm. likes me so therefore I must like him um and although she's got her system with her shit sandwich and with her like dating rituals and she's got all of these things going on I think part of it maybe Sunny's treating it and I think a lot of single people do this is they treat it as a bit of a numbers game don't they with dating they go yeah. oh, I'll just go on all these dates and partly I think mm. she's quite lonely so it's kind of just something to do yeah you know I think it comes from a good place I think she wants to meet someone it does yeah. come from a good place and she tries not to mess people around and she meets some like quite you know terrible people I think it was um I think it was my editor's boss who gave a note when she read read one of the drafts of Sunny quite an early draft she went seems quite relentless for Sunny doesn't it <laughs> life is relentless <laughs> exactly all there is is kfc fridays <laughs> exactly that's all she's got to look forward to but that's what i wanted i i did i was like if i'm gonna go down the mental health route i want to go there i don't just want it to be like oh she was sad and then she went to the doctors and she got some prozac or she went and got some therapy Absolutely. and she was fine yeah it you know it's more complex than that so i think that's what i wanted to show and i wanted to show how life and kind of come at you from all angles you know yeah I really I know I I really loved that because it was sort of a subtle undertone throughout the whole book and it wasn't I'd say the book wasn't about mental health it was about how men you know that wasn't the big you know point of the the story it was how mental health plays that role well is prevalent in her life throughout her whole life and learning to to overcome it. So I think it's in chapter five where Sunny has a monologue where she talks about how her friends with children don't ask her about her life. Um, and she says, but I won't tell you how I really felt. It That would be the end of our relationship. So I'll just say nothing. And I'm sure like me, a lot of women will read that line and it will resonate because there is that feeling where as a single woman with no children, sometimes it can feel like your news isn't worthy enough. And I say that in quotation marks as sharing with people who are very different um, lives than you and have reached different landmarks than you've reached. And it, it made me think actually, are these, are these friendships, even friendships, if, if you don't feel as though you can share your news and it's not going to be looked down upon yeah, I think um, I think as you get older, a lot of people's definition of friendship changes, doesn't mm. it? And we realise that, you know, some friendships that you've made when at a younger age, some friends, you know, historic friendships, you know, if you will, they're yeah. people that you've known for ages and you've been through maybe, I don't know, graduation or something or kind of life-changing events together. And it feels like sometimes you're friends with them just for the sake of being friends or out of like yeah. a sense of duty or out of a sense of loyalty and you know Sunny then is in that chapter if I'm not mistaken is, is kind of looking forward to the to the future and going mm-hmm. I know how this is going to play out 
I know what's going to happen here. This is what's going to happen. And she and that's also it's also a bit of a spiral as well for her, mm. like a bit of an anxiety spiral. And, um, you know, her and she's like, I can totally see how this is going to play out. And it kind of draws on, like you said, you know, um, as a single child free woman, your life is not seen as your news isn't as is never as important as anyone yeah. else's because you're not doing important life changing things yeah. like and having babies. And and it, it touches on all of that. But then I think she kind of spirals with it because then I think that's when I talk about you know Sunny's like oh I'm never gonna move out of my parents house and then I'm gonna start wearing funny felt hats (laughs) (laughs) knitting her own bags or something yeah (laughs) yeah going on walking holidays and things um and I I had a similar uh rant to my friend Emma who um the character of Natalie's based on oh okay Um, I love Natalie but I had a rant um to her a while back Mm. And I said, oh, I'm just going to be single forever and nothing's ever going to change. And my life is just not moving forward and I feel really stuck. And, you know, and then I'm just going to end up going on wearing weird novelty T-shirts and going on walking holidays. And she just went, babes, let me stop you there. That's never going to happen. You ain't nature. You ain't walking. So let's just take that off the table. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love that. And I think Jess has been on the receiving end of a few rants like that from me as well. Um, Did you really meet? Natalie slash Emma on a yoga retreat as well yes we met on a silent yoga retreat in North Yorkshire did you um, yeah I didn't know another soul there and it was you know (laughs) 10 women and it was I mean the idea of me or Emma ever being silent Emma slash Natalie being silent is hilarious (laughs) to me now but um yeah that's how we met and I just I absolutely was just such an instant dislike to her when I saw her just because I was so jealous of her (laughs) and that bit where I describe her I actually wrote as an Instagram caption a couple of years back because (laughs) that's the only way that I could think of her like when I think of that moment you know there's certain moments that you think back on they're kind of crystallized aren't they in time and yeah I always I will always remember the moment of it being like um a late Sunday afternoon in August in North Yorkshire in like this cozy kind of kitchen slash dining room and we're down around a really long table and everybody's kind of you know quite serenely you know eating some nuts or like you know <laughs> having some hummus or some beetroot dip or whatever it was Matcha. and being quite calm and you know very, very, being very kind of you know spiritual vibes <laughs> and then her walking in in the loudest pair of harem pants you've ever seen in your <laughs> life and then just having this amazing like Babs Windsor style Cockney Foghorn voice and <laughs> I was like there's absolutely no way that I can't put her in there and Aloysius her dog is actually real amazing he called Aloysius as well yeah and he's called Aloysius because <laughs> I changed her name and then I was like I don't want to change Aloysius no <laughs> why would you <laughs> I love oh, her even more now I know that she's a real life human yeah being. yeah mm. that's really lovely and I love the way your book approaches self-love and the way it kind of really came through for me was in the in the friendships and so I had a friend who used to just belittle me and it was so freeing when I realized I did not have to be friends with her like I was like I don't actually have to spend time with someone I don't want to why am I still arranging meetups when I don't enjoy myself and it was so freeing and I so loved that Sunny 
knows who her people are and you know yeah. there's there's Natalie who she knows makes her feel good and who she can call anytime and then there's her friends that she's known for ages that she's like they've kind of grown up into these people that we don't have the same values or they're mm. not like they're yeah. not people I want to spend my time with and so I just wondered if you could share a bit more about your decision to include that that part of the story I think um you know, I've had situations with friends where I've really struggled and I've known that these relationships aren't right. And I know that they don't serve me. And, you know, or in a similar way, they've belittled me, just like Sunny's friends belittle her. But Mm. yeah, I I think it's not, I was kind of sick of like, you know, the whole narrative of women hate each other and they're we're all bitches to each other as that. So I was really careful not to go down that route, which is Mm. why there's no like, you know it's not like a big fisticuffs or anything yeah, like yeah. a big old kind of cat fight or anything horrible like that it's more like a kind of steady erosion yeah. of like her self-esteem and an erosion of the, the friendship as well and you know I think it's especially with female friendships you know they can be so fraught and so complex and nobody ever tells you what to do if you're not really getting on with a friend yeah you know and it's like there's so you know I remember opening up Cosmo or Bliss magazine or Sugar magazine as a teenager and it being like how to break up with your boyfriend yeah exactly and but no one tells you what like what do you do if you've kind of grown apart from a friend so true you know it's really tough it's almost like we need to be given a manual or something and (laughs) I'm not saying that suddenly does it in the right way but I just wanted to show that you know I mean I've certainly been in that situation where I've had to drop friends because they weren't good for me and I still think about them and I still there is a part of me that still kind of feels a little bit guilty as well like you know but at the same time I go do I miss them day to day you know do I Mm. miss them on my birthday or any other kind of like you know big dates in the calendar or anything no I don't yeah um so I kind of yeah I wanted to show that and I I always now when I when I look at my friendships um, I'm always like do I like the version of you that is in front of me right now and if I met this version of you would I want to be friends with you? Yes. And do I like the version of me when I am with you? Exactly. I think that's so important yeah. as well. And I think you're so mm. right. We need to start normalizing outgrowing friendships yeah. as well. And it not being a not being a really fraught thing. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's easy to kind of well, easy-ish to kind of break up with someone. You just go, yeah, fine, you know, it's not working, whatever. You disentangle yeah. your life, you wash your hair, you have a pizza, you know, <laughs> you have a cry, yeah. whatever. Um, but with kind of female friendships, because they seem to run a lot deeper than romantic relationships sometimes and, and be a lot more complicated. Mm. Um, it feels like you're not just cutting out a person, you're cutting out a whole part of your life. Yeah. So it's so true. It's, and it can be quite traumatic as well, isn't it? Can't, can't it? Um, mm. Another relationship I want to touch on is Sunny's relationship with her mother, which I think was my favourite oh, yeah. of yeah. favourite part of the book. Because um, mm. I think just as much as Sunny feels like she is somewhat pigeonholed in her family dynamic and um, in, the, in the sense that she has to play a, a certain version of herself, like we were saying, I think to a certain extent, she also expects her mum to, to, to play to a certain stereotype that maybe Sunny has given her as well. And it's not until later on in the book that Sunny almost changes the dynamic with her mum and her mum is receptive of that change and actually welcomes it is that would you say that's a fair 
observation yeah I've never I've never heard it put like that before actually very insightful Lauren coming <laughs> up with all these insightful <laughs> questions uh, <laughs> um yeah but I think that's very fair I think Sunny does certain thing that a lot of people a lot of people do where they kind of underestimate their parents um yeah. you know putting aside kind of abusive dynamics and whatnot which this is not about but you know Sunny's like well you don't really understand me you know you just want me to be x y and z and you don't think I'm good enough um and she kind of keeps her parents and especially her mum an arm's length yeah. because she's just like we're very different people you're never going to understand me and actually um we then see later on through the book is that the mum is concerned about her and mummy does try to reach out with her and does says oh let's come and have a sit sit and, cup, and have a cup of tea yeah. and and it's maybe not the way that Sunny wants her to reach out to her or like is expecting her to reach out but she has her kind of own way and and like a lot of people her mum's kind of doing the best with what she knows yeah um, and actually, once Sunny gives her a chance and stop kind of compartmentalizing her life quite so much, yes, um, you know, she realizes that her mum is actually quite receptive to this, I and mean, is quite open and more modern than she thinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she gets and on Tinder, Tindle. I know <laughs> she gets on the Tindle. <laughs> I'm going to come up with a less insightful question now. <laughs> Um, so on the topic of mothers this book has some sexy bits in it and I wondered have your parents read it (laughs) (laughs) it does it does have some rudy bits in it do you know what (laughs) when you write a book me anyway I was so engrossed in writing the book I never actually thought they'd publish it I thought something would go horribly (laughs) wrong before it came to publishing it I thought they'd be like yes nice nice try but it's a no um (laughs) give us your advance back here's our account details so part of me that didn't expect it to be done um so my interestingly enough um so my parents um grew up in Punjab in India Mm -hmm. both of them come from not very well-off families and um both of them weren't really allowed to have an academic education by their families because they were expected to help run the family farm Mm -hmm. help out at home and they come from quite large families so when they moved to the UK when they were essentially teenagers Mm. they went straight to work so they were never so my mum was only allowed to uh go to school until well I guess our equivalent of year five wow yeah so she can read and write Punjabi yeah Yeah. um and my dad aunt because he was pulled out of school at a very young age and had to help out on the farm because of um, to kind of replace his brother who's injured himself mm. so he was never allowed so he never went to school so they neither of them can read or write English apart from like very basic like their you know their names and their addresses yeah, and yeah. kind of recognizing certain words and stuff which actually works quite well for me <laughs> in the context of Sunny <laughs> very <laughs> true <laughs> the Rudy bits but also um and it's but that is also the reason why I'm really I've never taken education for granted because yeah. I've seen how it's impacted their lives and I've seen if I mean they're now well into their 70s and I've seen even the effect it has now on their self-esteem mm. and the kind of regret that yeah. they have now that they were never allowed to you know pursue an education um and it also makes me kind of it's also why I remember getting quite emotional at the book launch it wasn't just the amount of Prosecco I just consumed <laughs> it was also at the fact that you know I'm the first one in my family to have done this to have written a book and 
in just one generation I'm, I've gone from having parents who weren't allowed to have an academic education to then me oh writing goodness. a book how amazing she's got um goosebumps, yeah. goosebumps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so who was the first person to read your book outside of your of your publishing team then and, and can I ask how you oh. chose them yes yes so um was it Emma slash Natalie <laughs> Emma slash Natalie now has two children under the age of three, so it definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. Um, uh, I think she's she's going to listen to the audiobook as she, you know, yeah. tends to her children. Um, I think it was probably um, my friend Pam and my friend Ravita, both of whom um, are in the acknowledgements, and. Um, they're two of my friends who are in Birmingham and they're Punjabi, they're British Asian like me. And they've both been super supportive of me. Um, and I've actually not known either of them that long, really. Um, like Ravita, I only really reconnected on social media. Oh, wow. And we met, yeah, we met once and then the pandemic hit. Met at an event once very briefly, then the pandemic hit. And then we were we just kind of clicked and we would just call each other and we'd have these kind of mad chats as I was like, you know, peak pandemic, I'd be yeah. queuing outside Asda for 45 <laughs> minutes to get in and I'd call her and I'd be like, what are you doing? And she'd be like, oh, I'm just, you know, bleaching my weekly shop. And so, <laughs> and so she was one of the, one of the people, first people to read it. And I remember her just sending me a really long voice note, getting really emotional about it and just saying, I feel like you've done this for all of us. Oh. and oh. it's the first time that she was like she couldn't put it down she said I feel seen in it and that's been the biggest compliment I bet um, you can't more get a than, compliment better than that yeah you know women women messaging me women who are in their like 40s and 50s and beyond messaging me going this is the first time that I've read a book where I felt like my experience is in these pages and it feels, you know, and somebody sent me an amazing message. I remember just saying, I feel like you've kind of reached into the deepest, darkest corners of my mind and put it on a page because, you know, it's different to being like being British Asian is like a kind of different culture of its own. Mm. You know, you have, you know your your identity everybody has an identity crisis when you're your British age like I, I think everybody I know has um yeah and it can be really complicated and it can be full of a lot of guilt and it can be you know if you're especially if you're first generation and you know and it it can mess you up a little bit and it can mm-hmm. make you feel like you're you don't really belong anywhere um so yeah so she was one of the first people to read it and sent me a sent me a message while she was on a treadmill she said you're really out of breath oh that's amazing so dramatic uh, so dramatic and Pam um read it and loved it and then I gave her a a, a hardback um I gave her the hardback when I saw her and um and I said and I, I said just just go to the last pages so I wanted to see her reaction when she saw that she was listed in the acknowledgements and she saw it and then she had an asthma attack oh god, oh god. <laughs> and that's the reaction you really? want I know I was like get your inhaler she's like I'm just upset stop talking <laughs> now if also, no one else has a reaction on that level you're like guys yeah you I just don't care. I don't care yeah I don't care you're not my friend anymore but I was also really Cut. in hindsight I'm like I'm so glad I was there like that she God. had someone there <laughs> imagine if you sent it in the post oh God. <laughs> oh that's so funny and actually on the on that um you're a very successful comedian and I wondered if that 
helped you write this book or actually did that apply pressure that you had to make sure that it was a really fun read uh, yeah I think other people's expectation might have been that they wanted it to just be fun and funny mm. and like have no kind of darkness to it in any sort of way or no kind of seriousness but I think for me that wasn't the tough thing for me the tough thing is as a comedian um obviously you'll do your 20 minutes or you'll do your, your solo show or whatever but I mm. don't get up there I you know I'll be like yeah I walked into a room I won't be like I walked into a room and it was wood panelled with you know yeah. <laughs> orange blossom and I think you think I remember my uh, my editor being like okay and at the time it was chapter 18 I remember because she kept saying chapter 18 it's not chapter 18 in the book it's the Hindu and um and she said I love this chapter every other chapter needs to have this amount of detail <laughs> yeah and I because I would write things like and you know and Sunny walk you know and it's like oh yeah and I walked into a room and she would kind of put in the notes like in the margin she'd be like what kind of room and I was like I don't know <laughs> It's not relevant. <laughs> like, readers could use their imagination. So I, I'm kind of notorious for not putting enough detail in there. Once I finally got to grips with the fact that actually there needs to be a certain level of detail, you do need to paint a picture. Um, yeah, that that was that was the bit that I I kind of really struggled with. I kind of knew the ending before I knew the middle and the rest of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what was really useful for me was to go chapter by chapter, break it down chapter by chapter okay. rather than because otherwise it feels like you're steering a massive ship yeah. Um, yeah. with zero experience, which is exactly what they had. <laughs> so kind of doing it chapter by chapter and going, this is what I want to happen in this chapter was great. And then we went something okay. like 25,000 words over and we had to like cut a load of it. And I was so distraught. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, well, speaking of, could you save that for the next Mm. Uh, so I always saw Sunny as being a standalone novel and yeah. uh, Sarah always saw it as being a standalone novel and then when it went out into the world I kept getting messages from people saying we want a sequel we want a sequel we want Sunny and people related to her so much um, that I am going to write a sequel but <gasps> I don't want it to be my next book because I think yeah. Let's let Sunny out in the world and do her own okay. thing for a little mm-hmm. bit. And obviously, we're not going to give the ending of both, but you basically know what happened to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't want it to then be like, you know, that kind of difficult second album, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then she's, and then she meets someone and it's happily ever she after. She happily because, ever after. Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, that was the one thing. There were two things that I was really against with this, well, three things. One was I didn't want it to be a Disney ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I mean, these books have their place, but I am sick of reading yeah. about young, successful women called Emily who, um, you know, inherit a tea room in Devon and then they meet a sexy gardener and an uptight yeah. lawyer. And they're like, and you're like, oh, oh who's she going to go with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't want that vibe to it. I didn't want a glossary of terms there I didn't want to write any of the Punjabi word in italics yeah. so you will have noticed that you might have had to do some googling or some like figuring yeah. out on like what certain words went um because I, I feel like that kind of others a little bit yeah. and lots of people yeah. that have read it are Punjabi like Punjabi is my first language yeah. and um and Sarah was really adamant she was like absolutely not we're not doing that people can google it and I was like yeah. you're so right you know right. like read Lord of the Rings for God's sake you're not going well I 
you know, I don't understand Elvish, so I'm not going to read this. Um, <laughs> so there was that. And then the other thing was I was I didn't want it to have like um, a really ethnic uh, cover. I didn't oh. want the art, artwork to be like, oh, all like oranges and reds and uh, yellows okay, and like an, yeah. an Indian sunset with a backdrop of the Taj Mahal and <laughs> uh, the, the Pataks font, you know. <laughs> Oh, totally. And, I, and reading it, I didn't want it to have a happy ending as well. There was a part of me that... Oh, interesting. Uh, no spoilers, of course, but I I, I don't want, you know, that tie all in a bow because that's not believable. Mm. That's not real mm. life. Um, and you can't yeah, write absolutely. a sequel if it's got a <laughs> bow. So. I think, yeah, I think it's also, I wanted it to be as real as possible because mm. Sunny's quite real and there were loads of times where I was like, I don't want the reader to like her here. Yeah. I want the reader to find her a bit annoying here. I want the reader to be like, oh God, I just want to like bash your hairs like, you know, against a brick wall and be like, talk some sense into you. Um, because no one's really that likeable. You know, and I exactly. quite like reading stuff where the protagonist is a bit, you know, annoying or up themselves or has yeah. completely got it wrong. But but you still but still likeable in the sense exactly. that you for them. So, yeah. Exactly. No Disney endings here. No. And we loved it. <laughs> Um, we have absolutely loved having you on the podcast. I'm conscious we are taking up a lot of your time. Uh, so firstly, thank you so much for agreeing to being on today. And we've absolutely loved talking to you. Uh, before we leave, we do like to ask guests if they've got a reco, a book reco of a book they've you've read recently that you really enjoyed or maybe not recently. Um, and would you mind sharing it with our listeners? Um, but I, I, I can only choose one. Oh, no. Um, I'm going to use the one I just talked about this on the telly, actually. Bit of a oh, I, here, yes, but, I saw um, you on BBC. Was it, t- um, with what's it called? Between the covers, between the covers, yeah. Very so, I'm going to talk about thank you. I'm going to talk about the gargoyle because I will always talk about this book until the day I die. Um, by a wonderful writer called Andrew Davidson, who has not written a book since. And I'm sure is very, you know, it's probably inundated with the request for him to write another book. It's just the most beautiful, twisty, dark love story ever. And are you Googling it right now, Lauren? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I can tell. You're (laughs) terrible at hiding it. Adding it to basket. Um, And I don't even remember where I saw it or where I picked it up or maybe somebody recommended it to me I don't know but it was years and years ago it's one of I don't reread a lot of books and it's one of the very few books that I reread oh, and wow. it just pick it up it's wonderful it's High so price. cleverly done it's it's basically a guy wakes up in hospital he's had a car crash horrible car crash that has left him with burns to pretty much most of his body it's like 80 or 90 percent of his body it's you know and he's in hospital and he's you know around the pair in a of Burns unit and as he's slowly getting better and better he's decided that he wants to kill himself because oh gosh you know he just can't do anything for himself and you know and he was an incredibly attractive like a beautiful man before he was an adult film star he had the world at his feet and and he's decided that as soon as he's kind of is able to and as soon as he's discharged that's what he's going to do and a woman comes into his room 
at the hospital and she apparently knows him and he's like I don't know you you who are you and then and then you kind of she tells him a story a bit like um you know like um in Arabian Nights a bit like Sherazada like a little Mm. bit like that but she tells him the story like their love story but it spans like 700 years and you know they've loved each other and been together with each other for centuries and centuries in yeah and it's just beautiful and really dark and it's called the gargoyle because she's a sculpture sculptor not sculpture she's a sculptor Uh, she's (laughs) very different not a statue yeah (laughs) she's a sculptor and she's yeah that's what she sculpts oh my goodness novel. okay well that's going straight in the basket yeah, I want to reread it again I've talked about it <laughs> so much and the funny thing is when I talked about it um it actually turned out to be Emma's favorite book Emma Emma slash Natalie's favorite no book as well Stop. Oh. well maybe you and Emma slash Natalie have met each other in life's gone by as well oh we must have we always <laughs> call each other our like we're each other's twin flames like we <laughs> soulmates oh I love that that's a lovely idea (laughs) well thank you so much yeah it's been an absolute pleasure and so was Sunny we absolutely loved reading it um and everybody please go out and read this book because you will not regret it this has been the most fun thank you so much Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, then like, subscribe, leave a rating and review. It costs you nothing, but it genuinely means the world to us. And you could maybe even share it with your reading buddy too. And if you don't already, then you can follow us on Instagram at Book Recos for, funnily enough, more book recommendations. See you next week. We'll be here.